last year, we watched Glass, the greatest film ever made. And now we hop into our time machines to go 20 years back to see the Ur M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Sixth Sense. The question is, do we see good movie? Oh, God. <laughs> hey, I, I only knew I was doing the intro five seconds ago. I think that was perfect. All right. You got to toot toot that. I will not toot toot this. Toot 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 toot. By the way, I think we watched Glass this year. It was just in Are you kidding me? It was January. Glass 2019? <laughs> yeah, I believe so. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, wow. I'm just I've I've been too busy. I've been traveling a lot. I've been going to uh-huh. the tallest building in Philadelphia. Yeah. So, I've kind of just lost track of time. I mean, yeah, I've been exploring the Osaka <laughs> Tower ever since it opened. <laughs> you remember floor the name. by floor, door by door. <laughs> I'm John. I'm Veronica. And that's right. Uh, this is our second uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie of the year, I guess, because I guess that movie came out this year. Yes. Um, uh, last, we watched Glass, this uh, his sequel to Unbreakable and uh, Split, and um, safe to say, we both hated it. It was yes, very bad. It was indeed. But we, uh, during our lucky trip back to 1999, famously one of the best movie years ever, we have gotten the chance to go back to see his first big breakthrough, a movie that uh, I believe we both uh, loved when it came out, right? Yes. I, I, I think I have not seen it until it made it to DVD, I gotta say. And mm. somehow I was not spoiled on it. Like, Wait, really? Yeah. I, what were you doing in 1999? Oh, the weekend it came out, I remember very clearly watching Broke Down Palace starring Claire Danes. How do you remember that clearly? Because <laughs> I don't know. I think you remember like going up to the theater and being like, no, thank you, Bruce Willis. And no, you- literally. I think like it was between that or The Sixth Sense, and we were like, oh, let's go see Sixth Sense. It has the girl from Romeo and Juliet. You know, that's very funny. I remember ve- the one of those I re- remember really distinctly is going to the theater. I'm going to guess what what year did, would we say the Transformers 1 came out? 2003, maybe? Whoa, what was that? I don't know. What was a that? spooky crackle on the sound. Okay, hopefully nothing that will stop this scintillating. Podcast. I hope you didn't, that didn't startle you, listener. Uh, um, well, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I remember uh, uh, turning away from a, a die. We had our option of a later day Die Hard sequel or the first Transformers. And I had heard that Transformers was good. So I chose that one. Oh, oh, a later day, Die Hard. So that, yeah. I think that would have been the like Justin Long, like the PG yeah. thirteen one. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, I because re- I, I remember because I remember regretting it. I remember being like, oh man, Transformers kind of sucked. I should have gone to the other one. And I look back, I'm like, they both suck. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I don't know. I I really enjoyed Live Free or Die Hard. Who, in the butterfly effect, the 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 web of our lives. 
who who could know how my life would have changed if I had said to my friend, hey, no, we owe it to John McClane. <laughs> Forget, I have no connection to Optimus Prime. I didn't watch those shows. We're going to Die Hard. Mm, I mean, you probably would have had a funner evening. <laughs> I, I'm going to throw another. I don't think Trump would have been elected. Wow, you think it would be that drastic? Yeah, I think the world would be that different. But weirdly enough, not, not Hillary. <laughs> would have been a third-party candidate would have won been if Bruce I had seen <laughs> Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah, it would have been Bruce Willis. Uh, uh, well, that's great. We have not talked about the movie we were going to see. <laughs> Speaking so, of Bruce Willis. So, yeah. So, The Sixth Sense, uh, clearly a sensation upon release. Yeah. Uh, so, we should probably do a... A semi like short recap since I assume everyone has seen this movie. Sure, sure. We Spoilers. will be spoiling. <laughs> um, yeah, this is what uh, Sensation is right. This movie was nominated for Best Picture. Um, Haley Joel Osment was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And developed a friendship with Michael Clark Duncan on the awards <laughs> trail. I remember that being like a very cute thing uh, at fun. the time because I think they were both nominated for Best uh, Supporting Actor. That would make sense. Michael Clark Duncan for The Green Mile. Yes. I believe they both lost to um, Cider House Rules. Yeah, to, Michael uh, Caine. Michael Caine. Tom Cruise lost as well. And I remember. Oh, Magnolia. Yeah. yeah. And I remember Michael Caine addressing him when he got the award as like, you don't want to be a supporting actor or something like that. <laughs> That's <laughs> In funny. In a very Michael Caine way. Um, but yeah, it was a sen- sensation. It was also, I just recently learned, the number one uh, most successful horror film from its release in 1999 all the way up to 2017 uh, with the first part of It. And what that tells me is that um, audiences really like horror movies that aren't particularly frightening yeah i think they like sort of like atmospheric horror of like something is lurking yes not to say that there's really any similarity between it and the sixth sense it is a movie that perhaps moves too quickly while the sixth sense um like all m night Shyamalan movies could absolutely not be accused of uh speeding (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I just watched it just now, mm-hmm. and I gotta say, I had a great time with it. Every time I watch it, I'm like, "Oh, this is this holds up. This I'm, works." I'm a little conflicted. I think the opening scene, uh, the Donnie Wahlberg scene, is excellent. I think the last 20 minutes is excellent. One thing I noticed this time that I do not remember is that this movie, I'm pretty sure, is a Terminator 2 situation, <laughs> where, um, uh, where if you watch Terminator 2 now, you realize that the entire first act is building up to a twist. Mm-hmm. The twist being that Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is actually a good guy. Right. The entire first act, he looks menacing. John Connor sees him in the background. And that's building up to that big moment in the hallway where he pulls out the gun. And, and shoots the other guy. Yes. Yeah. This movie, similarly, I'm pretty sure, is building. Uh, oh, and like Terminator 2, that twist was spoiled in the trailers for the movie. And similarly, I think this movie is uh, uh, building up to a, a twist that is spoiled in the trailers. And that twist being there are ghosts in this movie. Yeah. There is nothing in any way either supernatural or even really hinting at being supernatural in the first 30 minutes. Except for one like line spoken off camera. Um Mm-hmm. Instead, that like there is more in similarity. This movie, the first. Well, there is a hint of ghosts at the beginning when, like, uh, when Donnie the... Wahlberg. No, not with Donnie. With uh, uh, when he is sitting in the kitchen, and then all the cabinets get opened. 
when his mom re-enters the kitchen and she's like, that is true. They do do the poltergeist thing yeah. um, where all the, th- but even that like it could, doesn't necessarily have to be uh, uh, supernatural. It's like the thing like, so in the first scene, um, Bruce Willis is a therapist, uh, Dr. Crow. Malcolm Crow. Ma- Malcolm Crow has just won an award for being uh, Philadelphia's bestest ever child psychiatrist. Which is much like the Osaka Tower, an award <laughs> that totally exists. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's returned home with his wife, um, Olivia. Oh, God. What's the actress's last name? Uh, Rushmore. Oh, uh, Olivia Rushmore. Olivia uh, Williams. Olivia Williams. Her name is Anne. I and she's like, wow, you Anna. know, you have, this is everything you've worked for. You've uh, put me aside. You've put everything aside, but that's okay because now's our time to shine, baby. And then, boom, Donna Wahlberg, Donnie Wahl, Donna, Donnie <laughs> Wahlberg pops out and goes, I'm oh, your old oh, patient. Oh. <laughs> he sings a little uh, New Kids on the Block. <laughs> he comes out in his, in dirty underwear with gross, greasy hair to make everyone who love new kids on the block feel bad he is so skinny it's kind of impressive you don't really know it's him i remember i distinctly remember because i had no memory of new kids on the block that's before my time but i distinctly remember like both of my parents going that's donnie Wahlberg." oh yeah i guess like they because i don't i know him as like sort of a character actor and like Mm -hmm. nbc procedurals for the most part so it's not like a name that immediately pops to my head so it's always i think it was a surprise to find out that that was him yeah, so he comes out, and we'll later find out that he's afflicted with the same ghost thing as uh, uh, the main main other character. Cole. Cole. Cole Spear. Seer. I want to say Cole Sprouse. That's what I want to say. The fucking River, Riverdale kid. <laughs> um, uh, but, like, he doesn't, like, in a regular horror movie, he'd say something like, you won't believe me. They're all around us. Something like that. But he doesn't say anything hinting at that. He just says... I know why people are afraid, which isn't exactly, isn't necessarily a horror thing. Mm-hmm. And it's all building up to, like, the first ha- half hour of this movie, I was shocked. We don't get the famous um, I, see dead I See Dead People for 45 minutes into this movie. And this movie's only an hour for 40 minutes. Um, and up until that, it has more in common with, like, searching for Bobby Fischer mm-hmm. than a ghost, like, poltergeist or something. Yeah, I guess it's not something I mind. I think it's like, yeah, we have this very sad kid. And mm. it's sort of, I think it is way more effective that he builds up his misery and how sad his life is without the supernatural element and then we are also it is then that thing is revealed and then obviously if you know the twist it's also like that scene works on two levels he is trying to tell him two things do you do you think i'm right that uh when uh m night is that like what's his first name uh, I don't know. I feel like we had this conversation in the glass episode. Uh, uh, it's a twist not yet revealed. <laughs> um, the M stands for M. <laughs> uh, when he, do you think he, when he first wrote the script, he was like, I'm going to make it. It's a ghost story, but you're not even going to realize it's a ghost story till halfway through. Maybe. I can see that. I mean, knowing what we know about his later output, I would not, you know, put it past him to do that. Do you but I think in this case it actually does work. Do you think what I'm what I'm curious? Do you think if you went into this movie and watched the first half hour without any idea that ghosts are coming, would you enjoy it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's not my kind of movie. <laughs> like that that kind of movie would not be my kind of really movie. Just, just a kid feel, being miserable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sort of like ordinary people, I guess. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, I think it's all well done, but I think it all works so well because there's a payoff at the end. And because I think uh, upon rewatch, it works really well because you can genuinely see how all the parts fit together and it's pretty great. Yeah, unlike Glass, every twist, <laughs> at, taking out the twist, everything works without the, like, on their own. But I do wonder if, like, the, um, well, the main thing is, the not particularly wonderful M. Night Shyamalan dialogue from Glass was still present in 1999. It's still <laughs> a lot of people just delivering dry monologues at each other of exposition. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not helped that he demands everyone use a monotone uh, tone of voice in nearly every scene. <laughs> However, unlike Glass, uh, we don't have Bruce Willis not giving a shit. Yeah. Um, we have a series of truly wonderful performances that really kind of obfuscate any failings of the dialogue. Plus, I feel like, I mean, I guess it's not a mon monotone, but I feel like Bruce Willis does speak in sort of a whisper mm -hmm. all the time, which I guess, again, works on both levels because he is the soft-spoken, like, child psychiatrist, but also, like, he's a ghost. And, like... <laughs> and, oh, fuck, what? And... And also, like, so, because sometimes you're like, why are other, uh, if you, I think, were to, I don't think I even thought that first time watching it, but, like, I think if people were to suspect, like, hey, why, how come no one really addresses him directly or yeah. acknowledges him in the room, I think the fact that he has, like, such a reserved and, like, quiet demeanor kind of makes it work and it helps with that. You it, know? it also we all like in addition to the people not really addressing him, the ways every scene with him away from uh, Cole fades to black before anything really happens, mm -hmm. which due to the weird kind of deathly serious tone just feels like an artsy choice. And then later you're like, oh, he probably kind of faded out of existence and then returned a while later. Yeah, that's actually an interesting. I think this is talking about it is the first time I kind of was like yeah I guess like so where does he go what sort is of his like, experience yeah what because I I perceived it him as sort of like being a ghost through life but you know just like wandering the city but yeah I could totally see that like he sort of appears and reappears whenever he wants to like communicate with his wife or yeah, communicate he, with Cole it really is I like I was shitting on the dialogue a bit and I do want to give one example of a scene where his um where he really finds a trick to make his exposition work really well um but it, despite any flaws with the dialogue, the screenplay is so well structured around its twists where um, uh, so if you really think about I forgot how much of the storyline had to do with his wife, what we think having an affair. Yeah. Um, but actually, we realize it's her trying to get over the death of her husband. Um, but if you actually think about those scenes, if he's a ghost, eventually he'd realize, hey, hun, hun, I'm talking to you. Hey, right. you made out with a dude in front of me. Hey, please look at me. Um, but like we get that line right up top and we get we get those fade outs. And then right up top, we get that line. I'm sorry. I've um, uh, I'm sorry. I've been losing track of time recently. Yeah. Exactly. And that is we eventually realize the clue to the way his experience feels where he just kind of goes in and out and appears in a place and doesn't realize how he get got there, but just kind of makes up a version. Mm -hmm. But it also on a screenplay level tricks you the first time into being like, Oh, some, 
that's she's pissed off at him. Right. Because like I think the first interaction they have after he dies is at the dinner that mm. he gets late to. And then it turns out that it's like an anniversary. So we the audience are like, oh, he just like messed up because he was late to the anniversary. Uh, and so we sort of understand why she is angry at him, quote unquote. But yeah, we sort of. Yeah. And I think like it also when you rewatch it and you're like, why does he not realize sooner that he's a ghost? <laughs> I think there is like the whole like symbolism of that door that he can open. It's almost like a thing that he's blocking from himself and not What's allowing to deal with the him. door. Well, that, so I always I thought that it was like his subconscious i guess like not letting him realize what it is because like i think behind the door is evidence for him being dead well that's so um uh do you want to do why don't you just do like a five paragraph rundown yeah so like lion king we fucking saw it we all know yeah we all saw it uh so basically yes so um uh, Dr. Malcolm is shot by a former patient uh, six months later, I believe. Do they say? Uh, I think it would say like later this year. No, I think it just fades out. Year. There is a Chiron that says a time has passed, but is I there? forget how much it is. I might have been checking my emails. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's like something like six months. I forget. But he has a new uh, patient that he is observing before approaching him. And it's this extremely anxious little kid, Cole, played by Haley Joel Osment. Um, and he is bullied in school. Everyone thinks he's a freak. He cannot really tell anyone he's very reluctant to tell anyone like what it is that uh makes him so anxious we see sort of slivers of his quote-unquote shining (laughs) ability where like he sort of knows the history of buildings and the history of people around him the one thing that sorry yeah so uh yeah he like there's at one point he uh even the t- his teacher calls him a freak because he somehow finds out that when the teacher was a kid, he used to be called Stattering Stanley. And uh, stuttering, yeah. S- wasn't it? Oh, stammering, <laughs> stuttering, stuttering. Sorry. Uh, uh, yes. And so, uh, anyway, so this kid is miserable. What's the difference between stammering and stuttering? I guess stuttering is a condition. I think it's like stammer is like a, um and mm, I think and right. stuttering. That makes yeah. sense. I'll take anyway, it. I think. Uh, uh, but anyway, so uh, this kid goes through his miserable, miserable life. But Dr. Malcolm sort of helps him deal with his issues a little bit. Uh, And then I guess like cut to a scene where he actually does trust him and he tells him that he actually sees dead people and they talk to him and they don't know that they are dead, which is um, um. (laughs) and uh, (laughs) wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And so uh, his mom doesn't believe him. She uh, is also very upset about well, he doesn't tell her yet cute. he doesn't tell her yet but she sort of thinks that he's like an odd duck and just needs help but she doesn't because i i didn't remember the scene where he tells her is my favorite scene in the movie yeah that one is the best i, I really like that scene too uh but yeah and so he slowly comes to terms with the fact that the ghosts are actually there not to frighten him but to 
communicate with him so that he can help them, you know, resolve some unfinished business. We see one example of him actually accepting that burden and helping uh, Melissa from the OC, <laughs> Melissa <laughs> from the OC, Misha Barton, uh, uh, from her, I guess, from beyond signal to her dad that her mom was poisoning her with like rat poison. Her or mom something. has Munchausen by proxy. Right. Yeah, that's what I assume, but I, I can't. I don't know what the thing that she was actually like attacks, putting something. into the soup. Uh, but yeah. So and he. Sh- uh, so apparently the kid would tape her mom do that, and so Cole gives that to the dad, and uh, that's how her sort of. Uh, I guess spirit can move on. And so then sort of invigorated by that, uh, Cole finally talks to his mom, tells her about his condition, and also tells her that her own mom, who also died prematurely, that the mother is still kind of mourning, comes to him and talks to him and tells him how proud she is of her daughter and it's a very good scene Mm -hmm. uh and then and then uh so the last time so cole is now sort of well adjusted he has like a a role in the play as i guess prince arthur (laughs) i want to talk about this (laughs) uh it's it's cute uh and uh and then he sort of realizes that He's since he's now okay, he won't be seeing his doctor anymore. We also underneath realize that he sort of knows that that was, uh, and so he tells Bruce Willis how to talk to his wife. He tells him, you know, talk to her when she is asleep, she might be able to hear you better. And he, Bruce Willis, goes back to the house and slowly his i guess uh denial fades away and he realizes what actually happened the original night with donnie Wahlberg, uh and that he in fact did die and his wife is mourning about him and then he was able to sort of have some closure speak to her while she is asleep tell her that she always been like she was his number one priority and he loves her and but he's letting her go End of movie. <laughs> yeah, so a few points. Uh, I used to. I assume uh, Cole always knew he was a ghost. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because probably he had that blood all over him, and he just couldn't see it. Because they mm-hmm. see what they want to see, whatever. Right. Um. It's funny you you may call it The Shining. Because yeah. <laughs> I think I've realized that M Night Shyamalan movies are. You know, have you ever watched those videos of like Big Bang Theory where they take the laugh track out? And it's just long pauses between lines. I, I saw, like, I think episodes of Friends do that. Yeah. But, yeah, I haven't seen It's just, like, thing. this <laughs> slow, deathly dirge of silence and then the next line. Um, uh, M. Night Shyamalan movies are Stephen King books on tape with all the inner monologues t- t- taken out, but the space <laughs> still there. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, yeah, one thing... So it is interesting. I really do. It really does feel like it's supposed to be a twist that this is like a ghost story. Because, yes, we do get. I forgot about that that scene in the kitchen. But the if I remember correctly, the only other real sign that of what exactly is freaking cold out besides just some kind of mental illness is we hear the voice of a ghost in a cabinet right. in the scene where the boys bully him. It's just a voice going, uh, I didn't steal master's candlesticks. I'm Jean Valjean or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Um uh, and it's interesting, but then once we get that uh, the the reveal of dead like I see dead people, 
Like, he makes up for good time, and it's just ghost, 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 ghost. And watching the Mission Barton part, which is still great, both her first ghost scenes, still the spookiest scene in the movie, and then the little... Is that crackling again? Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Very scary. More scary than Misha Barton. Are there ghosts? Are we dead? <laughs> and that's the sound of someone in Spanish uh, saying, I don't want to die, <laughs> um, which is a reference to the movie. Um, uh, in case you didn't watch it with us and are just like, why is John talking about a Spanish speaker begging think, for his life? I think to your point, I think you could actually argue that that is intentional because like, um, like sort of the absence of ghosts in the beginning and then just ghost, 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 ghost. Because you're like, Oh, this kid is just weird and he's mm-hmm. anxious and like, what the fuck? Like, this child is like such a pussy. Like, maybe you could think that. And then like when the switch happens and you realize that's basically his life is like just seeing dead people everywhere yeah. and you are bombarded by it as much as he is. I think like it has that effect. I don't know if that was intentional, but I, that's definitely a reading. I do think it it wouldn't hurt to move the reveal up 10 minutes and like like keep the same amount of goats but spread them out a bit we do a lot of like quick surprise ghosts mm-hmm. and some of them are more clever than other i i still love the kid with the back of his head blown off oh yeah like uh, uh who wants to show him his gut yeah I show, show him, <laughs> like that's just clever a kid walks in with 70s clothes hey i want to show you my dad's gun he turns around and half his head or not really it's just fake blood matted on yeah. that kid's wig i also liked at the end when he's in the dressing room but and that, he's like someone is talking to him and then you realize that she's like no one else can see her and she's also a ghost that it's it's good. nice but the reveal of that one feels it's almost identical to the kid because she turns around and has burns and then stuttering Stanley's like, you know, there was a fire in this school once. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, uh, it's cheeky. But, uh, <laughs> but like, say, so do it a bunch. And so watching the whole Misha Barton section and then into the funeral, I really, the biggest thing that surprised me in this rewatch is I was like, holy shit, this is 100% just a crime procedural. Mm. This has just become a new movie where it's someone who sees ghosts uh, trying to solve murders and i was like why didn't this movie is so successful why didn't anyone ever make a tv show of this why didn't the networks do it and then i was like oh wait they did it was called the ghost whisperer they made the choice instead of having a stupid kid replace it with a hot lady oh of course I mean, Way better. But I, was just, Hewitt. I was like saying that. I was like, why the fuck didn't they get Nathan Fillion on the phone and have him pay, play the kid and just make this a TV show? Or like, I guess pushing daisies is like adjacent. It's not the yeah. exact same thing. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. When the movie, there was another movie with a guy who talks to ghosts, a deadbeat or something. Oh, I don't know. Like it's one. been done, but I was just like, yeah. I, I was very curious. I'm sure someone somewhere was like, Hey guys, we gotta make the Sixth Sense TV adaptation. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm comes back. He's like, I've still got more unfinished business. We see what happens when Tony Collette's character starts dating. It's gonna be fucking great. <laughs> and she's dating a ghost, and she doesn't oh, even know that's, it. That's <laughs> that's the twist. Uh, Mid season, we just actually no, this show would not be serialized. Um, yeah, this is ninety nine. There is no serialization. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I I want to talk about uh, the play and, and what I do like so. Specifically, I want to talk about the subplot that is Tommy Thomason. Oh, God. uh, What a dick. He is a dick. Uh, He is the one best example of humor, I think, in like a legitimately 
funny scene is he's a child actor who's oh, yeah. really full of himself because he's been in a commercial. And midway through the m- movie, right after a really dramatic scene, we cut to the actual commercial. Yeah. And it's like one of those ones where if you were watching this movie for the first time in 99, you'd be like, whoa, this writer director has a very good sense of humor. This is a legitimately funny scene. And then you watch the rest of his movies and you're like, oh, dude has never told a joke in his life. Well, I think like there's, yeah, it's kind of offset by, I guess, the scene of the antique shop or like the jewelry store that his wife is running. Oh my and then God, that's like so fucking bad. With like the Indian couple. What is that? Oh, I think it's drilling from the outside. Wow, where? Because I don't a- hear it without the... Across the street, actually. Like, it's kind of far away. I guess these mics are too good. <laughs> too good, yeah. Well, if you can hear that, folks, we apologize. If you can't, then you just think we're crazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, it could be both. Yeah, d- d- give it. Give us a little rundown on what this scene is, because this scene I 100% did not remember. And while yeah. I do think overall, I thought the... F- the opening scene, great. First act, a little boring. Middle section, very fun. Third act, excellent. This scene does not hold up. It is terrible. Yeah, I don't know why it's there other than like a weird, like a comic relief thing. I wonder if someone told him he had, because this is, because like after this, he was probably too big and was like, I don't need, like, I don't need to have comic relief in Unbreakable. Although I'm sure there was, like, does it I'm just sure comic book nerds say some like dumb shit? Yeah, something about you know <laughs> limited a limited edition. edition. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, so it's basically like this couple uh, picking out a ring, and the guy is like, uh, uh, is like, uh, do you have anything more affordable? And then there's like a whole conversation about how much you cherish your wife through a ring or something like that. It feels like know, a 1960s yeah. stand-up routine. Yeah, it was unnecessary, especially since, like, like, so I, I, I was uh, also, like, not super paying attention to that scene because I, I think it's the weakest scene of the whole thing. But, like, so the wife is in another room with who we think is the lover. Yes. Then, like, that scene happens, and then she actually approaches them and talks to them. And then, like, the the stone thing happens, mm-hmm. I think, oh, where, like, he throws a stone at the, oh, or Malcolm. Well, she finally kisses the young man who's been hitting on her the whole movie. But, yeah, so that's, like, sort of, it doesn't, so these people are still in the store while she is talking to them, then proceeds to kiss someone, and then, like, and then he throws the stone, and those people are still there. And it's, like, why would you put, a like, a comic relief even there well it makes sense that we find out a little bit more because it on both levels in let's say let's say pre-twist when you're watching the movie the first time you go oh the wife's not just like (laughs) trolling for dudes or whatever it's her co-worker oh i can see how this flirtation could have started with her marriage falling apart this makes sense and then it leads to the moment where they kiss and Bruce Willis smashes the window and then you're like oh I guess they're like fully broken up now but then in the when you watch it a second time it adds that interesting thing of like oh can I guess ghosts can cause physical things when they're angry yeah I'm just my problem is just with like why those people are even there like no, because yeah, it those serves co- zero purpose and it's not. Fun. It is comic relief written by someone whose talents do not lie in comedy whatsoever. Right. But the only other thing I want to say with Tommy Thomason, do you 
so I remember renting the DVD of this and watching it a lot. And they included, I remember, like high school films that M. Night Shyamalan oh, made really? with commentary tracks. Wow. So <laughs> I have the DVD, but I don't know that I've seen that extra special feature. In case you weren't yet sure that the guy might be a little arrogant and egotistical, he did include. <laughs> High school films, uh, but yeah, one was like I, I just remember one was like an Invisible Man thing. I remember seeing what that. was the commentary, and it was like my inspiration for this was Bergman. It was a, like, <laughs> like the at, black and white hues here remind me of the Seven Seal. Like, at the time, this was how I learned that you could make um, horror without a lot of big budget. It was like stuff like that. Um, oh, but again, it's been twenty years. I don't. I mean, I really feel remember. like that's fine. But yeah, but it's not like Robert Rodriguez giving like a, a, yes. a low budget acting school on the uh, or directing school on his DVDs, which yeah, is legitimately so very cool. Yeah. Um. Uh. But like, I remember there being deleted scenes, and I wish I should have looked up what they were. I'm trying to remember. Do you think there are some deleted scenes in the Tommy Tomlinson storyline? Because it makes no sense that after... So after the Misha Barton thing happens, yeah. um, we cut forward some amount of time, and now suddenly Haley Joel Osment's character is super well-adjusted in school. And yes, we can assume we see him with another ghost. He's doing... He can now talk to them freely. He has secrets with them. He's having fun. It's fucking Winona Ryder at the end of Beetlejuice in this place. And we can assume that, yes, not being terrified every moment of every day has helped him be more adjusted. But he's not just more well-adjusted. He's, like, now so suddenly the coolest fucking kid in the school. Which, again, I would I would forgive. We're wrapping up the movie. But yeah. the most popular kid is also now suddenly a social pariah. And we never see why. And I wonder if there was a deleted scene. Yeah, I wonder if it I'm was, like, it as a result of, like, them locking him in a closet or something. Maybe... But that, it was the other kid, too, who did it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it felt kind of cute. And, yeah, I when I was watching it just now, I was like, how did he get the lead in the play? And also, like, there's no nothing about, like, the uh, teacher being okay with him. Because that's, like, the second teacher scene. There's the one scene where the teacher ends up yelling at him for being a freak. And then there's this scene where apparently he was the one who gave him the role. So, like, there's no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's, like, no arc there either. Oh, wait. Is the teacher's name Mr. Marshall? Uh, me, well, he's Stammering Stanley. or Is it stutter, Stanley Marshall? Stanley Cunningham. Oh. Well, who's Mr. Marshall? Mr. Marshall? Is Misha Barton's character named Marshall? Uh, no, Collins. Mr. Collins is her dad. Okay, so there's some whole subplot, I guess, where he helps another different ghost named Mr. Marshall. Oh, okay. The third deleted scene is the scene where Cole visited Mr. Marshall, accompanied by Malcolm. The purpose of this scene is to let audiences realize that Cole can gather special information from ghosts by knowing where Mrs. Marshall's diary was placed. Okay, so yeah, we do see, like, episode two. Of, yeah. In the original cut, we see episode two of the CBS procedural, The Sixth Sense, starring Nathan Fillion. Yeah, I think I remember there also just being, like, extended scenes and stuff, but uh, I, I can't remember what they were, really. Um, variant, Mr. Marshall. Mr. And Mrs. Marshall. Anyway. Anyway. So, uh, how do you think the movie held up since the last time you've seen it? Was it in 99? I guess you said you mentioned... 
you watched it on DVD? Um, I watched on. I haven't seen it since whenever that I watched that DVD, which would have been shortly after it came out. I'd guess two thousand, two thousand one. Mm. Um, and so I haven't seen it in many years. I have uh, my my esteem for M Night Shyamalan has. I, I let's say greatly diminished in that time. <laughs> um, but I still I had rewatched Unbreakable after we watched Glass. Uh, not all of it, but large chunks of it, and I thought that was still very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, I was just watching select scenes on YouTube. But um, watching uh, watching this, I thought the first, uh, other than the prologue, the first half hour was fairly boring. Oh, I want to talk about one scene. Mm-hmm. So um, one scene where I thought his his creation of a scene and a set piece superseded any flaws in his dialogue. Mm. Um, and that is the first scene, the first um, session with Cole and Bruce Willis, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Cole and Malcolm. And they play the the stepping game. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, uh, Dr. Crow is like, I'm going to play a brain, re- a mind reading game. If I guess something right, you can step forward or you can step back. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is another scene that made me clear that, oh, it's supposed to be a mystery what the problem with Cole is. Mm-hmm. Because the whole scene. So, yes, it's just these characters delivering expositional dialogue about their backstories in a very perfunctory way. But mm-hmm. it's built in this way of like he guesses something about Cole. Cole steps forward if he's right, steps backward if he's wrong. Right. And it's a literalization of their of their uh, relationship going forward. But it's also this fun game that creates mystery because he starts then guessing regular things about kids having like kids who just have troubled uh, childhoods. I forget the exact ones. But Cole starts going further and further back, building up, heightening the mystery of, um, oh, wow. What is wrong with this kid? Yeah. Um, and it's a great scene. And compare that to some of the scenes in like Glass where Sarah Paulson's like, all right, time for me to talk for three hours. Oh, God. That, yeah. I mean, it is it is so weird that he did have like the restraint and sort of the discipline to write a screenplay that's really, really well structured and he has been unable to do that pretty much since then. Well, I wonder if it's also the performances. I, I want it. So it's, it was his first breakthrough movie. I wonder if he, after this one, he had less yes men, yes, less people telling him no. Um, so he had more yes men. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, more yes men, no more no men. Um, uh, yeah, so I wonder if he was more willing to listen to people. But it's it's also like the biggest thing is that the performances in this are so good. I, I'm, I'm sorry we haven't talked more about Tony Collette, but mm-hmm. she's excellent. Yeah. Uh, never better than in that scene at the end where they're talking about uh, Grandma's butterfly brooch. Yeah. Um, just, and, and Haley Joel Osment, is, uh, for a child actor, you know, he was nominated for an Oscar. Should have won. Should have won. <laughs> I mean, we can always say, like, yeah, can our can kids ever really deserve winning an award like that? That's m- probably mostly a directing award of getting that performance out of them. And I say that even though I've, I've really loved uh, Haley Joel Osment's now adult turn towards comedy. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff and he's been very funny. Mm. Um, but, uh, but he's great in this. And Bruce Willis is legitimately excellent. Yeah. Um, the scenes at, 
he's very charming uh, with Olivia Williams at the beginning, even though like, and it's like that scene also, she's making fun of the way he talks. So you kind of slide gracefully into M. Night's <laughs> weird dialogue of like, oh, the characters realize they all talk stupid. <laughs> um, but, uh, but like later scenes with his just like sadness over what you, what he thinks is a sadness over failing failing a patient is so palpable and his desire uh, and fear that he can't help uh, this new kid is, is so well done. And it's so sad to compare that to him in glass where it's like, clearly I'll be there for three hours. Get all my scenes in. Yeah. He was like, I owe you one for the sixth sense. So I'll keep, I guess making your movies, but don't count on me. Did you? So I assume you thought it held up. Yeah. I, I, I guess like I sort of, not intentionally, but I do end up watching it once every like five or six years. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm like, yeah, this is really good. And I sometimes notice like different things, like knowing the twist, sort of how yeah. like different little clues or like different ways where a scene works on two different levels or something. And it's very well done. I'm very, I mean, it's such a great screenplay. Um, it is sad that that's. The only one we got. <laughs> well, Unbreakable. I like Unbreakable. Unbreakable is pretty good, too. Um, um, let's, so. Do we have anything for... And I, you know what? I really like Signs. I haven't seen it since the theaters, but at the time, I really liked oh, it. Oh, I didn't like Signs. Um, vill- uh, uh, I didn't see Lady in the Water. The Village is where I really fell off. Um, oh, I actually like The Village. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, is there any... Do we have anything for our woo that wouldn't hold up today uh, segment? Uh, I don't... No, I think like it's just the regressive comic relief of that um, lady want ring man scared. Yeah, I guess that. Otherwise, I don't know that there was anything that stood out to me. I think like maybe like ghost stories are more immune to like or like are more timelessness. Yeah, because of like, yeah, there's more timelessness to them, I think. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything. Yeah, neither. I'm, if there was, it didn't stick out enough for me to remember it a day later. So, yeah. Um, so cool. Why don't we give it a grade? All right. All right. Yeah. Um, I think at the time I would have put this a- as an A minus, uh, A minus or A when when I was twenty years younger. So let's see how it held up. All right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Three, two, two one, one, A B plus. Oh wow. Yeah, I think it's still an A in my book. I, I really... You know what? Fuck it. You won me over. A minus. Yeah. I just... The, fir- <laughs> the first half hour, I found a little dull. But then again, seeing it again, uh, seeing it after seeing it the first time, you can, while, while being a little bored in the first half hour, just marvel at the skill with which it hides the tricks because when the first shot goes off and it's clearly a fatal gunshot Uh like i'm like how did we not figure it out but (sighs) cutting to him a short like time later and just like the way he acts and the whole anniversary scene is Mm -hmm. all so well constructed that you really do get tricked into it and probably would have been even more tricked if you didn't know it was a ghost story yeah that's true um cool so that's the sixth sense that's uh, our retro review. What's coming up for our new movies? Uh, I think it would... Well, there are two movies coming out uh, this weekend. You don't think Angel Has Fallen is going to take it for a third weekend? Well, yeah, you went on vacation, and this time we really lucked out. That's oh, true. You went on vacation, so we got to skip Angel Has Fallen. 
and Thank the God. Good Boys, which I kind of wanted was to Was Good see. Boys number one? It was number one. Oh, I thought Angel Has Fallen won it every weekend. No, it was like Hobbs and Shaw, and then I think there was one weekend where it was the Good Boys, but oh, okay. it was like very low. Uh, anyway, it chapter two opens in forty four hundred screens. I All right, well, we'll see you <laughs> next week for it chapter two. All right, thanks America for a good movie for once. <laughs> what, what's the other option? Uh, something called Chick Chore. Hold on, that Chick Chore. Is it a Bollywood it's film? C H H I C H H O R E. It's foreign language, yes, according to the poster. It looks very much like a Bollywood movie. Okay. Um, well, uh, <laughs> unless uh, unless the world, uh, uh, unless Western audiences suddenly get as uh, into Aishwarya Rai as the rest of the world. Uh, I'm just guessing. Is she in it? Does she even I, I act anymore? Know. I uh, think she just married someone very rich and now doesn't act as much. Good for her. Um, uh, that yeah. movie is only opening in 175 theaters, so they would have to really, really like it. All right. We can get to It Chapter 2, which will be an interesting conversation because I've read the book. You haven't. I did not like the first movie, and you did. That is true. So this will be a real treat. Uh, second one, not getting particularly good reviews. I know, which is sad to me. But I don't know if those people are coming from your POV or from mine. So I might still enjoy it. They might be coming from the POV of why is this almost three hours long? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, it's almost three hours long. Well, uh, That's okay. Well, the book on tape, 45 hours. Oh, God. I feel like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah. a thousand pages. Maybe I should just read the book. I have it on uh, I, I have it on my, my I have the the recording if you want to hear it. I have it All on right. my iPhone. All right. Well, uh, America, while I get that recording and listen <laughs> to all of the books until next episode. Uh, until next time. Toot toot. Toot toot.